0: February is here and you oh man I can't wait what <laughs> subs are you gonna go get from subway during February and
1: my problem with those sandwiches at the place called subway is I just only, you
0: just have one problem with them
1: I only ever want one and it's not a good sandwich
0: what is it that you want though
1: welcome to overdue this is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is Craig
0: and my name is Andrew what sandwich do you want Sometimes I get
1: a, like, roasted chicken sandwich with provolone cheese and
0: maybe a green and banana peppers and green peppers. Sounds bad because it's a garbage emergency sandwich that you would make at home. It is. Which I have done. It's like, oh, we have, like, leftover hamburger patties, but... We don't have any buns or cheese or <laughs> toppings. So what kind of sad meat mustard burgers on regular bread am I going to eat for lunch today?
1: Yeah, it's just throw a oh, bunch of man. stuff in there and like make sure some of it's not tan khaki colored. Like just put some stuff in there that's from another part of the Crayola box, please. That's
0: just it's not for that same for that sandwich. For that sandwich, it's not even worth <laughs> the the stench of onions and failure following you around all day after you go to Subway. Andrew, there are sandwich? artists
1: in that store. There are artists, sandwich no, I artists. I don't
0: mean to demean their work. I'm just, it's not their fault that the place where they yeah, work I'm smells not gonna, like it does.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to blame Picasso because his paints smell real bad. Like, that's not his fault. Sure
0: i go for, like, a turkey bacon ranch sometimes. The turkey bacon ranch. Ooh, turkey bacon ranch. Ooh, turkey bacon ranch.
1: <laughs> sometimes I get a Jimmy John's BLT. I don't know how they make it that fast, but I eat it even faster.
0: Oh, boy. I guess we always... I went to Quiznos sometimes in Jersey City when we lived there. Uh-huh. But then all of a sudden, one day, it was just closed. Well. And the windows were all blacked out, and there was, like, a... A notice on the door but I didn't want to like it's a fairly busy street and I didn't want to just like stop and be the guy who's really interested about the Quiznos being closed. Honey, honey, I was going to work today and I saw this guy he was really interested in that He's, closed Quiznos. He stands uh, he, his lone vigil outside the closed Quiznos you know just what? waiting for the little lady who couldn't really understand him and always gave him the biggest drink cup even though he only ever got regular size drinks,
1: you know what they say, Bradley. Sometimes quiz knows, quiz goes. Andrew, let's talk about Ooh, a book. I say quiz.
0: Yes. <laughs> this so... episode of Everdue brought to you by Quiznos. Mm, toasty.
1: It's actually brought to you by our lovely Patreon donors, uh, who both support us enough to like generate bonus episodes. Which, as you know, this year we're going. Uh, every other month for our sanity and higher quality podcasts, um, obviously. Obviously, <laughs> and uh, this book in particular uh, hear- was—I know we
0: agree that that was why we were doing this, but just hearing you say it out loud really <laughs> exposes the well inherent absurdity of the premise. When we
1: made that, when we made that decision, I didn't know we were going to talk about subway for two minutes. Um, I should have known. That's my fault. <laughs>
0: You could Uh, have guessed. Who would have been on my top five list? I'm
1: going to ask you what book we're talking about in just like 10 seconds, but I do want to say that it was recommended to us uh, by one of our donors, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Andrew, what the heck
0: book did you read? I read The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. It's a a 2003 Hmm. mystery novel. Interesting. It is interesting. And... um. So we'll get into plot stuff later. I think you have a little bit of author stuff, and then I have a bunch about like that that hadn't has said about writing this book. But if you haven't read this, the thing to know about it probably is that it is told from the perspective of somebody who is on the autism spectrum. It's usually Aspergers that gets yeah. brought up. Um, when I gave Susanna like the list of the, he has a list of. um Behavioral problems, capital oh, sure. B, capital B, that that he goes through, and I just handed it to Susanna to read, and she's a social worker, and she knows like the DSM five. Oh and all that yeah, stuff. yeah, and she said, yeah, probably has probably some kind of autism and maybe a little OCD. Yeah, um, so we'll t- we'll so,
1: talk yeah. about that and and where Haddon falls on on what this book is presenting because I, I was surprised to find some of his quotes about it. Um he's a contemporary British author born in 1962, Northampton, England. He went to Merton College, Oxford. I don't think he started actually like writing professionally in any way or had aspirations to it before, until after he graduated from Merton College. Uh he wrote his first children's book in nineteen eighty-seven. It was called Gob Gilbert's Gobstopper. <laughs>
0: And it's about Gilbert Gottfried and his favorite candy.
1: I just wanted to read a couple of the tight. He wrote a bunch of other children's books in addition to some BBC work. This was his first novel, but I like adult novel. I do want to just reference some of the books that he wrote because they have cool names. Like he got really well known for the Agent Z series. But like, I really want to know about Titch Johnson, almost world champion
0: who's who titch johnson
1: yeah hmm i also what's your story titch i I also want to know about the real porky phillips
0: (laughs) you mean (laughs) at the real porky porky phillips on twitter that's a good twitter handle really is uh
1: those are two of the best ones there's like a narrow escape for princess sharon and tony in the tomato soup which are both respectable
0: (laughs) okay that one i kind of am interested in but what about it what about that tomato i
1: i want to know about titch and porky real bad um he other novels of his that have followed this book uh as we said which was published in 2003 he's written a spot of bother and the red house he also has written some plays. He's kind of a jack of all trades in that regard. Uh, Mark it, of all trades. Hey, and it sounds like he is just <laughs> interested in in the next challenge. Um, he's written some short story collections and some. As we move to this book in particular, Andrew, I don't know if you f- saw this. It was it like won awards in multiple categories because it was. They publish two different editions
0: of the book. Right, yeah. They publish it in an adult's edition and a children's edition. And so I looked around to see if I could find, like, if there are any differences aside from just, like, the packaging and how they were sold Mm -hmm. or anything. And I don't think there were. Like, certainly the content didn't change. No. And um, that actually has, because it is sometimes marketed as a children's novel or, like, a young adult novel. Sure. Sure. It um, sometimes makes it onto school reading lists, which has caused controversy a couple of times. Because of Um, language and stuff like that. Yeah, (sighs) right. In 2015, uh, Tallahassee, Florida High School had it on their summer reading list, and it got pulled over, concerned about swearing. Um, Haddon said that he was puzzled and fascinated by the way in which some readers remain untroubled by the content of a novel, but deeply offended by the language in which it is described. Um, I'm not interested in having books banned, said one person who... Uh, supported the (laughs) supported the removal of the book from the list Uh, but to have that language and to take the name of Christ in vain I don't go for that as a Christian as a female I was offended kids don't have to be reading that type of thing and that's why I was asking for an alternative assignment I know it's not realistic to pretend bad words don't exist but it is my responsibility as a parent to make sure my daughter knows what is right or wrong and um, this is Haddon again uh Christopher, who is the, the main character in the book, mm-hmm. um, is completely unaware of the offense that swearing is intended to cause and therefore it simply washes over him, said the novelist. Uh, no one has ever complained that the book is about a mother abandoning her son or that it contains a scene in which a father hits his son. Yeah. So this is this That's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I don't I don't know if this is uniquely American, but I think this gets brought up a lot is like we choose strange things to be squeamish about.
1: Yeah, Sometimes we do because I've we don't seen, apply
0: the same standards of squeamishness to everything.
1: I've seen YouTube's of like we, like here's a random country in Europe where a lady does the news naked. Like I, Europe's nuts. <laughs>
0: well, who's nuts though? <laughs> um but yeah, we we tend to like we'll get up in arms about language, we'll get up in arms about Sex Um, more than violence. Especially, but violence is usually fine. Like you can say you can say the F word like once or maybe twice in a PG thirteen movie, but as long as you don't show a bunch of blood, like you can kill as many people as you want. Well,
1: and you can like the I don't know if the Dark Knight was rated PG thirteen or not, because I don't think there's a lot of swearing in that movie. But even if you don't see the exact thing that happens, like Joker shoves a pencil in a dude's eye. Like, the things you can imply.
0: Yeah, and... that's a PG-13 movie, my dude. Oh, my good
1: gracious. Uh, yeah, some of that stuff's psychologically troubling. Yeah, one of the things... <laughs> but at least they don't show any boobies. So. Oh, at least. Um. So this book won the Whitbread Book Award for Best Novel, the Commonwealth Writer's Prize for First Book, and it was awarded the guardian children's fiction prize, which is like a once in a lifetime award. That's like a panel of children's writers. So I, that's how I think it got onto the radar of a lot of children's fiction lists. Um, and well, as we get into the actual novel, we can talk a little bit about like what about its style and content kind of lends it to that reading. Okay. Um, but other stuff about the book real quick, it was turned into a, play a very successful play in 2012 mm-hmm. by yeah, Simon and I believe Stevens it's, it's,
0: I believe it's touring now I think yes. it won a Tony in 2015 yep and it's currently in Rochester
1: and that's the same production that started at the National Theater in England
0: yeah it's just um, touring now
1: yep yep well they brought it over and then I think there was like an American tour that's running it's like a whole thing well cuz uh, it's
0: still like when you look it up on online it's still labeled as like the national, the theater national theater production, theater production of whatever which
1: yeah. mostly means that it's like the same design cuz there's a lot of um projection and you you don't have to necessarily do the play that way but they took a very specific concept with it mm-hmm. um so that's really cool and then i just wanted to share a little bit about um I don't know, do you want to talk about some of the Asperger's and autism stuff now or do you want to get into the
0: book first? Um I guess let's yeah, let's just let's segue. So I'll I'll read that list. So the the main character of this book is a 15-year-old named uh, Christopher John Francis Boone and um yeah, so he has what he mostly describes as behavioral problems. Now, it's worth noting and this was intentional that the words like autism and asperger's do not appear Correct. in this book anywhere. Um so here is the the full list. These are some of my behavioral problems. Uh A, not talking to people for a long time. B, not eating or drinking anything for a long time. C, not liking being touched. D, screaming when I am angry or confused. E, not liking being in really small places with other people. F, smashing things when I'm angry or confused. G, groaning. H, not liking yellow things or brown things and refusing to touch yellow things or brown things. I, refusing to use my toothbrush if anyone else has touched it. J, not eating food if different sorts of food are touching each other. K, not noticing that people are angry with me. L, not smiling. M, saying things that other people think are rude. N, doing stupid things. O, hating other people. P, hating France. Q, driving mother's car are getting cross when someone has moved the furniture.
1: That's a so good it's list. A lot of, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a lot of little, um, like the, the, the central through lines, I guess, are like doesn't really pick up on emotions or mm-hmm. like physical cues. Mm-hmm. Um, has a hard time like empathizing with other people and then some, some light. OCD sort of tendencies about specific colors and about food touching each other and about things being moved unexpectedly. Yeah. Yes. And so Haddon gave an interview to Terry Gross. Yep. About Mm -hmm. the book. And he says of Christopher, if he were diagnosed, he would be diagnosed as having Asperger's syndrome, which is a form of autism. I suppose you call it high function autism in that he can function on, you know, a day to day basis in a kind of rudimentary way. But he has a serious difficulty with life in that he doesn't empathize, empathize with other human beings. He can't read their faces. He can't put himself in their shoes and he can't understand anything more than the literal meaning of whatever said to him. Although I'm very careful in the book not to actually use the word Asperger's or autism because I don't want him to be labeled. And because, as most people who do have a disability, I don't think it's necessary necessarily the most important thing about him. Um, and as a good friend of mine said after reading the book, a friend who is himself a mathematician, uh, it's not a novel about a boy who has Asperger's syndrome. It's a novel about a young mathematician who has some strange behavioral problems. And I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so he's like, he didn't do a lot of research on um Aspergers or autism, like he did some very light research, but mostly he just decided, okay, here are the traits that this that this boy is gonna have, mm-hmm. and so I am gonna write this book with those traits in mind and like thinking about how someone with those traits would see the world around him.
1: Yeah, a couple of things I I just want to also mention. There was an interview with the Independent where. He said he admitted he was irritated that the word Asperger's had started appearing on covers of the book um, because it's led to a lot of people being like, oh, well, you wrote this specifically about this. So you're an expert. Let's have you right, talk about yeah. it as a novelist. Like, that's mm-hmm. not cool. Uh, as you mentioned, he didn't do a lot of research in particular, though. One of the things I found interesting is that he said that he read articles not just about but by folks with Asperger's Um, because I, I read this book many years ago, so I have a, a little sense of, of what the voice of the book is. Um, and I think that's really important that he took he did the work of like how do folks who think this way write? because um, he's this book is about reading, right? Yeah, right. Um, and then one more just like for as it's useful to our listeners, I did go to I found a website called Autism Speaks. That has a like what is autism page and so this encompasses Asperger's. I just want to give us like a quick like definition not to say that we're going to linger on it but for folks who may not know or or have not dealt with it directly.
0: And bearing in mind that that all of this stuff exists on a spectrum and yes what happens in this book is not like representative of what anybody else with Asperger's or autism would act like or think like or anything like that.
1: Um, autism spectrum disorder and autism are both general terms for a group of complex disorders of brain development uh, these disorders are characterized in varying degrees by difficulties in social interaction which you talked about, verbal and nonverbal communication and repetitive behaviors uh, in the May 2013 publication of the DSM-5 diagnostic manual all autism disorders were merged into one umbrella diagnosis of ASD, previously they were recognized as distinct subtypes which would include autistic disorder, childhood dyslexia disintegrative disorder, pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified and Asperger's syndrome. Um, so according to the DSM five, those all just kind of go under autism spectrum disorder, which as you just said, it's, it's an umbrella term because folks have different brains y'all.
0: Yeah. Right. And then also worth noting there, I guess that the DSM five came out relatively recently. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that, stuff has maybe not necessarily proliferated out into the into the community as much as it you know as much as it will sure sure Um, okay
1: so let's let's talk about this book now that we know because the whole book is from his perspective right yes the entire
0: yeah the entire book is from christopher's point of view and so it's really important going in to know like why what that perspective is going to give you cool and so it really it influences the structure of the of the book and the way that you hear and just the way that you experience the world um so chapter numbers are given as a series of prime numbers so in- instead of being like one two three four five six seven it's like it jumps up I don't. I don't know my
1: primes, but it's like one, three, Uh, seven.
0: I know know a good amount. Eleven digits of pi. Oh, do pi like three point one four one five nine is is as far as as I can go with pi. But prime numbers, I just know that you can you can only divide it by one or itself. So I guess like one, two, three, um, five, seven. Uh, I know thirteen is one. Is eleven one? Eleven
1: might be one. 13, 17, 19,
0: 23? Yeah. So like that empire are both things that are kind of <laughs> cool because when you like it, it, you, when you discover a new prime number, it's still kind of kind of a big deal, like a minor. Yeah, square, yeah. Tell. It's at least noteworthy that we did it. Sure. Um. So, so he's yeah, interested and,
1: in math, and that is that, and that's why. The, the chapters are labeled that way
0: yeah yeah okay um yeah so he's yeah he's he is very good at math and and doing numbers and stuff in his head um as far as his interactions with other people and the way he sees the world around him like the the recording of the world you get in this book is mostly described like dispassionately mm, okay and um and he pretty clearly articulates on a lot of occasions that he doesn't really pick up on emotional or physical cues, even though he knows that they're there. Um, So like we talked about before, because he's a teenager, right? He is 15. So like, it's, it's not that he doesn't know that this stuff exists. Sure. Sure. But he does like, he does sometimes get lost in his own head or he like, he will talk about how people around him act without seeming, to really understand his role in the way that they're acting,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the book opens with him sort of standing over the body of a dead dog. So this oh, is the that's titular the dog. incident. Okay, <laughs> yeah, the incident of the dog in the nighttime is that a dog got killed <laughs> with a garden fork. And this is, I think,
1: in sp- the title's inspired by like a Sherlock Holmes story. I sure. think Silver Blaze. <sighs> um but yeah okay so he is
0: he is what has happened to the dog it got stabbed to death with a garden fork okay so cool
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's it's one of uh Christopher's neighbors who the dog belongs to and who comes out and finds him and she thinks that he did it hmm. and she calls the police cuz he's decided that oh I'm going to investigate and figure out who did this well duh and, um, so she calls the police and the policeman like tries to, tries to touch him or approach him in a way that he doesn't care for. And so he hits the policeman and gets taken in. Yep. Okay. That would happen. Um, mm-hmm. And his dad comes and gets him. And as the scene sort of unfolds, you slowly start to get a sense of who all these people are and how they relate to each other. Okay. Um, so the condensed boiled down version is that, um, Christopher's dad, whose name is Ed. And his mom, whose name is Judy, um, they both took care of him together for a while. But his mom especially found it very wearing to, sure. to care for a child with a with a developmental disorder. Sure. Um, and so she has a fling with this guy down the street, Roger Shears, mm-hmm. and she runs away with him. Okay. Now we do not find out about that right away. The story that Christopher's father tells Christopher is that she had a like a heart thing, and she was in the hospital for a while and then she died. Oh, and so since christopher like you know he he trusts his dad his he thinks his dad has no reason to lie to him, and he can't really pick up on on subtleties of of human behavior and emotion, so he accepts it pretty unquestioningly um so Christopher's dad is for a while it's the relationship isn't explicitly romantic but he he and Roger shear's wife um are hanging out together for a while I think just kind of commiserating over their shared misfortune sure and the fact that their marriages both fell apart. Um. So, okay, so that's that's the stage mostly set sure. like, for this thing. So Christopher goes about trying to figure out who killed the dog in the nighttime, because it's a, quite a curious incident, as you may have heard.
1: <laughs> and I don't remember, has he read Sherlock Holmes? Has he fashioning himself a detective?
0: I think he's, yeah, he's read some, some mystery novels, and he he says that he wants to write a book, and the way that he's going to write a book is he's going to write down everything that happens to him. So you get some stuff between him and a lady named siobhan who is his paraprofessional i guess and a mentor at the school that he goes to okay okay um and she's like you don't really for a little bit you don't really get what their relationship is because at first it seems like maybe she's just a school friend and and then it becomes clear that she's an adult and yeah as you our, as you understand more about christopher's behavioral problems it becomes clearer that he's you know he's obviously going to a special school
1: and those are alternating chapters for the most part
0: right like he'll
1: write a chapter that's about the dog and the mystery and then he'll like write a chapter about something
0: else it does jump around but i don't like i don't recall it being super rigid about okay sure about when it would jump back and forth between different stuff okay um So what happens is he's investigating this and he is talking to this other neighbor lady named Mrs. Alexander. And he is pretty nervous around strangers, but he wants so badly to write this book and to solve this mystery that he's just going to he is going to try and tough it out and do some stuff that makes him uncomfortable because he wants to figure it out. Um, So he's he's talking to Mrs. Alexander, who is who is telling him. Like so, Christopher is in the dark about the relationship between his parents and the Shearses, and and all this stuff. And she's kind of telling him information that maybe Christopher's dad doesn't want him to know. Okay. And so Christopher's dad finds this journal and has like expressly forbids Christopher from continuing to look into this dog, and like bothering people and trying to write this book. And Christopher gets around, like he finds loopholes in these promises that he makes to his dad and keeps doing it anyway. So Christopher's dad finds this journal, um, hides it in his closet. Like okay. Initially he throws it away and then he grabs it and hides it. And Christopher is looking for it because he wants to keep doing what he's doing. And in doing so he finds a stack of letters. And the stack of letters, it's they're all from his mom. And he doesn't mm-hmm. get it for a while even though he notices that the dates on the letters are all like after his mother would have quote-unquote died sure so he he makes this terrible discovery that his dad has been lying to him this whole time and because like so he relies on the few like solid relationships that he has because he has so much trouble with new people and new situations mm-hmm. so to know that his his dad has like broken his trust in that way just totally breaks him well that's cuz
1: that's like a that would form structure and rules for just how he exists in the world his relationship yeah, right. to his dad mm-hmm. um and and i again as like I imagine, and, and as I recall, like because we're seeing this through Christopher's eyes, it's just—it's a lot of it. As I remember it, is just heightened versions of what many of us feel about things in the first first place. But oh, yeah. because, like, they're... I
0: am—I am not—not I am not an anxious person. Like, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah. not have more muted versions of these feelings when I'm talking to people. Sometimes,
1: yeah, and and. Particularly about like relationships with people and like what happens when they become unmoored like it's messy and it's weird and and you don't know what to do next sometimes but the way that his mind works like those problems all just feel worse like they or they feel like harder to deal with or I don't know Mm -hmm. it's that's yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so between, between this, the whole thing with his mom's letters and, um, some apparent rage issues that his dad has sometimes. Now, generally, his dad is very patient with him and, and better with him than his mom was by a lot of accounts. But that doesn't mean that he does not get very, very frustrated sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, so, and, and, and so that, that trust is, is broken and it's, it's, there's this thing that they do where they hold up their hands and like spread their fingers out and then like touch hands. And like, that's kind of a sign of trust and love between them. Yeah. And so after, after he, after Christopher discovers this, this is his, this is his dad. um, Father said, we all make mistakes, Christopher, you, me, your mom, everyone. And sometimes they're really big mistakes. We're only human. Then he held up his right hand and spread his fingers out in a fan. But I screamed and pushed him backwards so that he fell off the bed and onto the floor. Um, and so after that happens, like Christopher's dad leaves him alone, Christopher decides he can't be in the house anymore. Um,
1: is there like a re? Do, do you do you remember? Like, does he have a reason? Is it just that he needs to? His dad has lied to him. And no, there, there's to a spe- there's a
0: specific there's a specific thing. But I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to okay spoil that part of it okay
1: cool um so then what does he do so he next? so
0: he has his mom's address from the envelopes okay and he uses maps and he's gonna take the subway and he's gonna get out to see his mom and this is a pretty he's gonna take the tube yeah Andrew. he's gonna take the tube i'm sorry please hello hello hey, can i take the tube to the london fucking palace please <laughs>
1: Oh, the London Buckingham going Palace.
0: To, going to Buckingham Palace for some tea and
1: crumpets. Going to the British West End, am I? Hopping on the tube. Head hey, on what? down to Leicester Square, am I right? Thanks, Gov.
0: <laughs>
1: tube's pretty cool. I've been on it. It's fun. I never tubed. i never been to London. I was I there. No the tubes. I was there once uh, for like tubing. a week, tubing around. And apparently it was like a month or two before they banned drinking on the
0: tube, so no I just they had to i guess it is London,
1: <laughs> so I had a distinct i have a distinct memory of like taking you know taking the tube home from seeing a play or whatever, and like a bunch of people just came on and they just had pint glasses, like just pint glasses full of beer or whatever brought right on the tube. Just like you do, I was I'm I was very sad to hear the news that those people were not allowed to do
0: that anymore because it was a good time. Yeah, but (laughs) so okay, so the part of the book where he's navigating London and the train and Mm -hmm. everything—it's all very like this—is one of the most heightened bits of the book. So let me see if I can. Let me yeah, because it's not
1: stuff to read easy for him there's so much stimulus
0: oh no it's super super hard
1: though i imagine his brain is the like the way he views systems and the way that he understands things is probably like the maps part is probably pretty cool and like easier for him to grasp than like actually being in a public space with that many people Mm -hmm. Um, do you find do you find a good spot
0: Uh, And when I'm in a new place because I see everything, it is like when a computer is doing too many things at the same time and the central processor unit is blocked up and there isn't any space left to think about other things. And when I'm in a new place and there are lots of people there, it is even harder because people are not like cows and flowers and grass and they can talk to you and do things that you don't expect. So you have to notice everything that is in the place and also you have to notice things that might happen as well. And sometimes when I'm in a new place and there are lots of people there, it is like a computer crashing and I have to close my eyes and put my hands over my ears and groan, which is like pressing control, alt, delete and shutting down programs and turning the computer off and rebooting so that I can remember what I am doing and where I am meant to be going. Um, And that is why I'm good at chess and maths and logic because most people are almost blind and they don't see most things and there is lots of spare capacity in their heads and it is filled with things which aren't connected and are silly. Like I'm worried that I might have left the gas cooker on. (laughs)
1: i love christopher so much yeah there oh, there are a lot
0: God. of little there are a lot of little moments like that where he's like he says a couple times you know i can't tell joke i don't understand jokes i'm going to tell you the words of this joke even though i don't get it yeah but then just the the way that he describes things sometimes is funny not because not because you the reader are like encouraged to make fun of him at all but because there's a Truthfulness to it—that's not like the conventional sort of. It's like a, it's it is it yes. is obviously and recognizably true, but it's not the perspective that you would normally approach it from. I
1: don't. Yeah, think. it's it and and in that way, it shares DNA with jokes, which are always like, "Oh yeah, that is true, haha." Like yeah, it's right like, wordplay. Oh yes, aha. That those are those things are similar. You're right, comedian. Um, but this is. Just the way that his brain is <laughs> We're moving very fun
0: movements. to have at a stand up comedy show because we're basically <laughs> reacting to it the whole like this this way the whole time.
1: I appreciate stand up on like seven levels at once. Um mm-hmm.
0: and I am vocalizing all of them all the time constantly. I don't
1: I don't one of my like I think one of the reasons that this book and characters like Christopher kinda pull my heartstrings a little bit is I did a I did a program when I was in elementary school where we like would spend a recess, you know, every other week or something we'd you know, I wouldn't go on the slides, I wouldn't go outside and I would instead like go to the special education classroom and like just spend time with te- and this was like 3rd or 4th grade. So I don't even think I was like emotionally equipped to deal with what I was helping with you know Mm -hmm. but just like spending time with other kids my age who just saw the world differently and were probably you know they had some form of autism spectrum disorder you know whatever it might have been called at the time and like i don't know i i just i'm very thankful that i had that experience because character like people and and stories like Christopher's and whatever like I'm just so I'm naturally receptive to them in a way that I don't know why that is yeah um and that's the that's the closest thing I can point to um because I don't have like there's there's not someone in my family or anything like that that I've experienced um directly anyway
0: yeah there was a there was a kid in I think he was my year in high school either my year or the one below um, who had Asperger syndrome, or what? Mm-hmm. What in the days of nineteen ninety eight, we we called Asperger syndrome. Yeah, and, sure. And yeah, like people were not kind to him, and I was not always kind to him. Certainly, sure. I was a, I was a kid, and kids are cruel a lot of the time. Yeah, and it's a, you know this is a small school in rural Ohio, and there are like seventy kids in our entire class, and a lot of the teachers like didn't know what to do with him a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he should have been in a special program somewhere to get like the, the specific attention and like help that he needed, or if that was even an option for his parents or like what the, what the story was there really. But
1: uh... yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I know, you know, I know there's, there's, there are laws in the books now, like the IDEA about like, what you're supposed to be able to provide for students with special needs of any kind and and things like that. But I I don't know what that means for where you draw the line when someone should receive one-on-one teaching care, you know, like when do they get someone like Siobhan, right? Mm -hmm. And when are they just someone who is in a classroom with other, with, you know, more neurotypical students and they just get a little extra time after class, you know, you know, I don't know um it's something yeah. that it's something that i've thought about a lot whenever i'm teaching because i've cer- I've certainly had kids in summer camps and other theater schools and and part of it is just like as you said kids aren't always kind because a lot of they they're still kids like they're working
0: out their own stuff yeah they like they have no idea how to react to it like and so we this kid was in band and i was in band too and mm-hmm. There was one day where he was just, you know, th- he had good days and bad days, like I think a lot of like a lot of people do. And he, like, he was mouthing off and swearing at the at the at the teacher, and like he got up and like turned around and smacked his butt as if to say, "Kiss my butt." Yeah. Well. And we're in like sixth grade, so like we think yeah, this is hilarious. You do. You do. But it's, it's a weird position where you're, you're still kind of laughing at. Yeah, you're, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a very, I don't know. It's something that I, that I think about and feel bad about still like to this day, but I, I don't know like.
1: What to do with that feeling. Yeah. Well, or certainly as, as a sixth grader. And I think too, for, for kids that I've taught, like contemporaries are all, they're, they get frustrated because it inter you know it feels like that student whoever if they have special needs of any kind is interfering with the whatever they need and they don't know how to deal with that frustration um and that's when kids lash out and get mean or get yeah. you know um so uh yeah it's i anything anytime you're gonna read any of this book to me i'm just gonna like go oh christopher like i just yeah. want to help him so he takes the tube,
0: and he, yeah, I mean, right it's, it's really yeah, he does he gets to his mother's house and his mother is very surprised to see him and 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 does take him in, even though it um it is detrimental to her new life with Roger Shears. and to a certain point after this, like the the arc of the story isn't even that important because so much of this book and so much of why the book is worth reading is just. Christopher's perspective and what he's telling you about yeah, his life sure. and the way he thinks. Um there's one more little thing I'll read. And this is just like to show what he's like when he is forced to interact with somebody and oh, like, sure. trying to be trying to be strong and and brave about it. Yeah. Um so he's he's trying to get to his mother's house. He's trying to navigate the train station and he's talking to a policeman and the policeman says what are you doing here and i said i need to sit down and be quiet and think and he said okay let's keep it simple what are you doing at the railway station and i said i'm going to see mother and he said mother and i said yes mother and he said when's your train and i said i don't know she lives in london i don't know where i don't know when there's a train to london and he said so you don't live with your mother and i said no but i'm going to and then he sat down next to me and said, "So where does your mother live?" And I said, "In London." And he said, "Yes, but where in London?" And I said, "451 C Chapter Road, London, Northwest 25NG." I don't know how to say that address. In yeah, London, London I'm sure addresses I'm get dragged for are it. just a jumble of things. <laughs> it's like here's a street and here's a city and then here is a bad scrabble hand.
1: Well, and here's a direction and then my thumbs like fell on the keyboard. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. And he said, Jesus, what is that? And I looked down and I said, that's my pet rat, Toby, because he was looking <laughs> out of my pocket at the policeman. And the policeman said, a pet rat? And I said, yes, a pet rat. He's very clean and he hasn't got bubonic plague. And the policeman said, well, that's reassuring. And I said, yes. And he said, have you got a ticket? And I said, no. And he said, have you got any money to get a ticket? And I said, no. And he said, so how precisely were you going to get to London then? Um, And it's like, yeah, so that that gives you a little bit insight into his head, not just how he talks, but how he really does have this like encyclopedic memory of everything. Like exactly who said exactly what and exactly what order. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. like to you and I, a lot of that conversation is redundant and they take a long time to like get, to communicate the information that they're trying to communicate to each other. But Christopher, Needs to go through it a lot more methodically, and he also remembers every little twist and turn that he took to get where he got.
1: Yeah, it, it's it as as you read in the earlier passage. There is like information overload, so he has to move slower, and also he's not necessarily doing all of the work to anticipate future questions, mm-hmm. like he he needs the other member of that conversation to go at the same pace as he's going he just
0: doesn't know what information the policeman needs like he yeah, says yeah. London and he doesn't know necessarily that he needs to be a ton more specific than that sure um sure. possibly because he has no concept for how like big London is but that's true that's yeah true. also also just yeah like you said information overload um yeah like I don't know that I have a ton else to talk about as far as like the story or about Christopher's well, perspective or, or the prose. I think um, what you
1: just read kind of is a really good demonstration of uh, kind of really good, you know, the overdue story. You know, kind um, of really good. Kind of really good. <laughs> uh, that to me is a is a good example of probably why some children's writers were like, this is children's fiction writers were like, this could be a kid's book or or a young reader's book. Yeah, in terms of
0: the language it uses, not not like the language, not like the swears and stuff. Yeah, um,
1: the style of language is the style
0: like the words that are used and all that stuff. um, Yeah, it's it is of a it is at a lower reading level. Sure, but it's not that he's unintelligent because he's like really into space. No, and it's and it's not that this book does not deal with some pretty like dark stuff. Yeah, complicated stuff.
1: Yeah. The whole yeah, the his parents whole divorce thing is really sad and like unfortunately human. Mhm. Just like I I know I know some some couples who have kids with special needs and I just like I uh, they're I don't know. I couldn't I can too easily imagine how it would overwhelm someone. Sure. You know. Mhm um and and probably exacerbate whatever other problems are there uh if there were problems i'm not talking about my friends i'm talking about the characters in this book uh, sure <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah it's it's like a it's a pressure cooker situation and unfor- it like it never ends like talk about kids change your life right like that's mm-hmm. just like a a truism but then also for someone who has as as Christopher puts it behavioral problems, like then you need to do all the research on how that works, and you yeah need to... and like
0: i i low key worry about a lot of the potential things that come up when you have kids, but I think truly one of the one of the things I'd secretly fear the most would be having a a kid with special needs because I just like. I don't know that I'm like strong enough to be good at doing that. Like, because sure. when you have a kid, you kind of expect the general arc to be like, they need you. And then they slowly need you less and less. And then they become little people and then you send them out on their own and they're adults. And hopefully you did a good job, but yeah. with, but with a lot of these learning disorders, you like they they can develop to a certain point and then they just kind of hang out there and, and yeah
1: and still need support and and this
0: is and this is something that again like i i hear a lot of stuff through susanna about this this kind of thing and and so she used to do drug and alcohol rehab and now she does yeah. um she works with people who have special needs and, and learning disabilities and stuff and she says like sometimes the drug and alcohol stuff was like less frustrating because there exists the possibility for improvement and for turning yeah. and for like okay. turning your life around. And a lot of the times with the with with people oh, with learning disabilities, like they just they are where they are and they need the help that they need. And that's yeah. just it, you know?
1: Yeah, because if you have if you have any sort of ASD, like that's just how your brain is wired. Like mm-hmm you can depending on on where you fall and what types of behavior you have like you can as i think christopher does in the book right like learns about himself in a way that he can at least tr- like work to anticipate how like the world will affect him and, and like mm. and account for it in the in the things that he does yeah. Um, and how he deals with people, but like, not everybody has that ability. Um, and then, yeah. I, 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 oh God, I just want to go back to like, I think you're, you mentioned earlier that like this book never mentions it, like it never mentions Asperger's or autism by name. So it's just kind of like, here's a person's head. It's not unlike your head. It's just specific in a couple ways, which leaves a lot of room for you to identify with it yeah rather right. than like othering it from the get go yeah which is which would be frustrating I don't know.
0: yeah mm-hmm. so I don't like i have I have nothing but but respect for people who do work with with people on the autism spectrum and and people with learning disorders and disabilities like it's really it's really important work to like you know treat. Treat the weakest members of our society, like you know what what's the what's the adage about like we're only as good as we treat the people who need the most help or whatever something like yeah, there's a couple of like versions that. of that it is there's in there somewhere there's
1: one that's like we're only as good as as the folks who need us like the way we treat the folks who need us the most. there's one about like we only are as good as how we treat the worst of us and and that's a different quote, but it's a similar structure to like sometimes
0: the worst of us need a good suck in the mouth <laughs> <laughs> but. I just want to draw yeah, the draw a the line between people draw who are you're people right. who are bad and people who who Art who need like help need help. You know? Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
1: um, and then there were two uh, interesting like responses to the book that uh, are from like the medical community that I found, and one was like a reviewer. Named... Yeah,
0: let's let's do that, and then yeah. let's let's like. Let's actually do a shortish one.
1: Yeah, I know. You're every week. I'm like, let's keep talking, and then we do ads. and, this and this. never mind. Anyway, uh, <laughs> David Ellis in his review said that he thought the book avoided the pitfalls of like offending anyone who might have, who might like have an autism spectrum disorder. Because um, again, or- it doesn't
0: like it doesn't make a big deal out of it. It's just like this is how he is.
1: And and as Doctor Alex McClemmons, writing in the Learning Disability Journal said, he, that Haddon uses the mindset of his hero to mask the direction of the plot. Like mm-hmm. part of I don't you the story is structured in a way, right? As you've kind of danced around certain revelations that happen, and and as you talked about the revelation of the letters, like that only works because of how Christopher's mind works though like the people kept information from him or keep information from him in certain ways because he won't pick it up otherwise yeah um which is it's just an interesting way to structure a story um i love this book i'm glad you read it it's a
0: pretty good book it's it's pretty good and it's pretty like we said the it's it's really easy to read and it breezes by pretty quickly so if you have not read it there's still stuff that i didn't spoil that you can go in and be surprised by but you can also just i don't know enjoy your trip into christopher's head and and just dig around in there a little bit and find the little like quotes and, and moments that really grab you the most
1: yeah there's a lot of the siobhan stuff that's worth just like reading for the sake of experiencing it yeah to just hear him talk about his own brain is, is really fascinating yeah
0: yeah it's a really really unique book Cool. I guess really unique is redundant. You can just say it's a unique. Book. <laughs> Something's either unique or it isn't. This is something that I find all the time when I'm editing writing, but when I'm speaking, it's like,
1: well, you spoke it. You can't go whatever.
0: back. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, unless I edit the podcast, but whatever.
1: Who knows anymore? um mm-hmm. If you have read this book or have a reaction to it, and you want to send us a message or,
0: or let us know what you think, you say have a reaction to it. It makes it sound like you give them hives or something. <laughs>
1: You're right. Uh whatever. Um you could go to Facebook.com slash overdue pod or twitter.com slash overdue pod. You can also write us an email at overduepod at gmail dot com. Uh Andrew, folks want to know more about the show, where should they go?
0: overduepodcast.com. Huh. Yep.
1: Is there like what what might they find there?
0: Links. To what? <laughs> uh, to iTunes and our RSS feed, and Stitcher, and our Google Play page; uh, those are all ways you can subscribe to the show. Also, to our Patreon page, and to Headgum, our podcast network, and Spreaker, our podcast host. And um, as most of you are hearing this, we are still planning a live show. Oh sure! At the at the Free Library, the Free Is Library of Philadelphia,
1: library, yeah. the Parkway. Like the Ben Franklin Parkway branch, the main branch, uh, bit.ly slash library show.
0: All lowercase, all one word. And, yeah, we will be reading uh, Treasure Island and we'll also be partnering up with my other podcast, Appointment Television. We're going to be talking about uh, book TV and Wishbone in particular. So it's going to be a big old book-themed (laughs) book-palooza Uh, tickets are 15 bucks and then after that we're gonna go to the kite and key which is a bar that's nearby and we're gonna hang out and we're gonna drink some drinks and we're gonna have a good time sure um i insist on having a good time
1: (laughs) show me a good time he said uh So again, this episode wouldn't have happened without the support of our Patreon donors. Um, You can find out more about that at patreon.com slash overdue pod or the link on our website that Andrew mentioned. A couple folks that joined us in the past month include Jessica, Jen, Morgan, uh, Stephanie, Albie, and Graham all bumped stuff up, and then Laura joined us as well. So thank you all for supporting the show. Um, As we said, we are moving towards a, like every other month structure and i think andrew the new thing that we're hoping to do right The new thing is that if you are you know if you pledge at the five dollar level you recommend a book we talk about on the show like rob did for this one if you pledge at the ten dollar level we're gonna send you a postcard you're also gonna recommend a book and we're going to try and get you in on the Google Hangout calls that we use to record our bonus episodes. So yeah. that's also one of the reasons that we're doing them every other month, because it'll give us time to kind of like plan those and, mm-hmm. and send the word out. And stuff You can
0: like watch that. us be idiots and ask us questions in real time and stuff. Yeah,
1: so bonus episodes could get real weird. Like, who knows? <laughs> I'm yeah. kind of excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is really going to cut into our subway time, <laughs> frankly. <laughs>
1: I think that's it, Andrew.
0: Yeah, that's it. All right, everybody. Um we will be back sometime whenever <laughs> it's a podcast unstuck in time. So we'll be back whenever and until you hear us again, try to be happy.